Today's episode is brought to you by The Art Scene. Visit artscene.com.au. Welcome to Glazed Over, the podcast for watercolour enthusiasts. I'll take you behind the washers, the dry brush and the horizon lines to ignite your passion of all things watercolour. I'm your host, Tony White. Thank you for joining me. Now let's get stuck in. Hello, 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 and welcome to Glazed Over. I hope you're having a good day. I hope it gets better from here, and I hope the rest of your week and your year and your month and your life is unreal. Thank you so much. Today's episode will be focusing on Australian watercolour artist Chan Disanayaka. A nice interview with him. I had a great chat to him, and I hope you guys enjoy it. I think you will. Just a few little pieces of business we've got to get to to start the show with. Um, I need you guys to help me out. I need your help. What I want you to do is go to my website, which is tonywhitewatercolor.com. Go into the podcast section. Listen there if you like, but also go into the podcast show notes. In that section of the website, I will uh, put down little, uh, little summaries and show notes and links and things that we talk about. In that section and it's also a bit of a blog community so you can join up and comment and and uh, we can build a build up the love there thank you so much i appreciate that also make sure you subscribe to my youtube channel which is once again just tony white watercolor search out in youtube and instagram same thing tony white watercolor and there's a facebook page that everyone shares their work on which is glazed over podcast so if you just do a search for that join up and away we go let's uh, build this little community up as bigger and as big and as beautiful as we can get it thank you so much everybody really appreciate it um so let's get into this chat with chan i hope you enjoy it here he is chan disanike so let's welcome Chandis Nayaka. Thank you very much for joining us here on Glazed Over, mate. Thanks very much, Tony. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, no probs, no probs. You're uh, you're our first guest. <laughs> very excited, very excited to be part of it. Ah, oh, thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Um, so this lock- lockdown stuff, how's it all been treating you aside from uh, workshops and things? How you been coping? Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it's being actually quite strange. Uh, I uh, started doing things I normally wouldn't do, like uh, online lessons. Um, I probably wouldn't have considered doing any online training, but uh, now I sort of started uh, them, and uh, they're going great. And, uh, and the other thing is, uh, you get an audience where you otherwise wouldn't get. You know, I got people from states and. Ireland and all these weird places where I wouldn't have even been connected with them. So that's a great opportunity to um, to connect, I guess. But obviously, the face to face workshops are cancelled. Um, so that sort of is what I miss at the moment, uh, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, that face to face contact and. Uh it's amazing how much you, you do miss it. You go, oh well, geez, I uh, I miss sort of being around people, and that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, we we sort of live in our own cave in our studio, and it's it's good to get back and uh, interact with people and uh, sort of mingle with other people and share 
I think that's what I miss the most. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's what we sort of need as humans is that contact. And that's kind of, I hope we, society in, in general and as a whole doesn't go down this, uh, this road of just being completely disconnected from each other, you know, like Absolutely. shaking hands and, you know, hugs. Absolutely. People you know, obviously, hugs. You probably just don't go up and hug a stranger. <laughs> well, some people do. Oh, well, yeah. It's all right. I think we need that. So, I think I think you're right. I think we just need that interaction. You know, we are people. We, we, we are creatures that we need that social um, interaction to feel secure. And, and that's what sort of keeps us going. And that, that's what sort of makes us tick. And uh, I think uh, sooner this sort of we come out of this, the better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be all right. I can't wait, actually. Um, right, so you spent the first part of your life in Sri Lanka, uh, born in Sri Lanka. Um, when did you come here? How old were you when you came to Australia? Oh, I would have been uh, under 10, I guess, um, just around 10, I guess. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the first part of the uh, my early childhood was uh, in Sri Lanka in a rural village, uh, which was beautiful. And I guess that that was my first connection with, with nature, the mother nature and, uh, you know, the love for the nature and just being out there and appreciating the landscape and the surroundings. I think that sort of started from there, I think. Yeah, that's good. And um, have you been back there a lot since you? Oh yeah, yeah. So I often go back. I got my my father's still still in Sri Lanka, and uh, so I go back. I actually did a painting tour last year to Sri Lanka, which was great. Um, so I got a lot of cousins and, and and relatives and family. So I try to keep contact with them. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I assume. I mean, as Australians in growing up in the early eighties and um, and a little bit before, I suppose, yeah, uh, Sri Lanka was a, a land only known to us via um, cricket. And, <laughs> and uh, was it Arjuna Ranatunga? That's right. He was captain there for a long time, I think. Yes. Uh, so I assume you played cricket. It's like a religion over there, right, that part of the world? Oh, look, you're not Sri Lankan if you don't play cricket. So you're not accepted. <laughs> so, yeah. Down here in Tassie, uh, cricket's been um, – I noticed over the summer, I was only been here for a bit over a year, but I noticed over the summer that um, cricket all year round, like there's, uh, they take such good care of their, of their grounds and their pitches and even the under-12s play on turf. It's unreal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, look, uh, I, I used to play cricket in, in Sri Lanka, but not just at school level, but, you know, I got serious, uh, started playing under-13s, under-14s, 15s. So in Sydney, I, I grew up in Sydney, actually. So uh, played a lot lot there. So it's, it's been part of me, and I still follow it. I obviously don't have the time to play anymore. I used to play a bit of uh, indoor cricket um, just to keep me fit, but um, obviously the time is a problem. But I still keep in, you know, I, I watch cricket as much as I can. Yeah, absolutely. Not much going on at the moment. No. <laughs> there's been a few, um, like I think on the Fox channels, there's been a lot of old classic matches. Yeah, the replays, yeah. They're yep. great. Or the um, Trevor Chapel underarm one. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Some interesting games, yes, yes. Not a real proud moment for Australia. So. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so when, um, 
So you grew up in Sydney for the most part. So when when did you head to Canberra? What, what brought you to Canberra? Yeah, so I actually uh, came here for a job. I, I worked in IT. Uh, I worked as a computer programmer. So I actually didn't study art, although that was my, you know, my, my heart was with art and that sort of stuff. But it was just a hobby at the time and something I wanted to do uh, apart from work, just keep busy. And, uh, yeah, so I came for a job here and uh, I worked here. And then I started sort of getting involved with local art societies and a uh, few exhibitions and, uh, you know, this the hobby got a bit out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> so when, what happened? What was the tipping point where you decided to um, throw in the computer and take up paintbrush full-time? What? Um, I think it's the it's it's sort of uh, the teaching aspect as well. So I'd never actually considered uh, art as a career. I thought it was just a... Uh, you know, just a hobby thing you could do and you could survive. But when uh, when you sort of saw teaching, you know, I really loved teaching as well and I, I really loved that interaction with people. So that sort of um, sort of gave me a sort of a, a breathing space to sort of see whether this could become a potential career opportunity and uh, that's where I sort of, you know, things got a bit serious. Uh, yeah. So um, with your painting in general and i guess in in life but who who influences you like you know whether it be painters family members you know for god you know god forbid celebrities you know just any uh what influences you in your life yeah i think i think there's been a lot of influences obviously my father um is is a huge influence to me he wasn't a visual artist but uh he was a playwright he was a uh film director, a script writer. So I think living in that creative environment um, really helped me. Um, so sort of thought I saw the world slightly differently uh, creatively. And uh, art was something that I sort of wanted to express my sort of vision through my own eyes. And I sort of took the creative side from him, I guess, and then sort of applied to the to the arts world. And uh, you know, watercolour was something I hadn't come across or given a serious sort of consideration. Drawing was uh, part of me, you know, during even preschool days, you know, I was drawing. But, you know, I'd, I've done pastel, I've done oil, acrylic, but never seriously given watercolour a go until probably, uh, you know, like probably 2005 or something like that is when I actually just uh, came across watercolour. So in the watercolour world, when you sort of look at artists, sort of, sort of I sort of followed people and uh, especially the old masters and, uh, you know, John Singer Sargent is, is, is one of my ultimate heroes. Um, sort of then I studied the sort of old English sort of watercolourist. Um, um, one of my favourite is um, Edward Sego. You know, I really love his simplicity. So... Um, so I sort of went from there, and obviously you got modern sort of masters in Australia. We got people like uh, you know David Taylor, uh, Ross Patterson, Joseph, um, Alvaro, and uh, when you sort of really see it in terms of world watercolor, these guys are masters. So they've been a huge influence to me as well. Mm, no, that's yeah. It's hard to um, it's hard to get around uh, being influenced by. Uh, 
Joseph and Co. You know, we'll yes call them the the Melbourne crew. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, true. Uh, it's uh, it's it's hard to get around being influenced. It's just uh, it's probably even harder to step away and try and find our own styles in among um, all that influence. And that's why I, I personally believe having, you know, influences from as many walks of life as you can or as many styles and as many different painters as you can will only help your, your end result anyway. I think you're absolutely right, Tony. I mean, uh, you know, the more influences you have, you, you get exposed to different techniques, different styles. I mean, watercolour is a whole, um, you know, you know, there's there's so many different uh, ways of doing it. There's no one way to paint. Um, you know, different techniques to different materials, um, and then you know, then you sort of get exposed to uh, the sort of international scene. You know, you've sort of, sort of been to China and and seeing some of the amazing artists there. And I think we have a sort of a culture. You know, the Chinese artists seem to paint in a different way to the Europeans the americans and in australia we seem to paint in a sort of a different style you know it's, it's almost cultural yeah you know i've never really thought of that do you think we're um in australia we're a, a bit of a kind of like our our culture i suppose as a country you know are we painting wise are we a bit of a bits are we get bits from everywhere and yeah i think you know if you look at if you look at the australian sort of watercolors you know from hilda to to you know, people like Heisen to Harold Herbert, and I'm sure these current, um, you know, masters in Australia have been influenced by those guys. And if you look at their work, you can actually see the influence. You know, I can see Heisen's influence probably on people like Ross Patterson's work, you know. Um, so so I, th I think it's a good thing. I think it's – so you sort of um, feed on somebody else's sort of work, but you actually uh, build something of your own and, you know, you build your own vision. Um, which is great. You sort of further develop it and enhance that style. But I, I do think that we do have a certain style of painting that is very different to the Europeans, to the Chinese. No, oh, that's good. It make, keeps it interesting, you know. It's good. Um, yeah. You know, I see a lot of students obsess. <laughs> obsess, absolutely obsess to the point of needing some professional help, I believe. Um <laughs> Obsess over materials. Oh yes, we all we've all done it. And we also do it, and I kind of still do it too. I'm not judging, but it's just yeah. um, <laughs> it's a completely separate obsession, and it's a separate hobby to painting altogether. Arts cabinets at home, etc. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Um, if you had to choose one thing in your kit bag of goodies, um. What would it be? That's something that you'd feel naked if you were painting without. What would be the one thing that uh, you couldn't go without? Um, probably it's pretty hard to name just one thing, but I guess um, for me, the, the style of painting that I do and the way I paint, I think for me, a natural hair brush, some sort of a mop brush, um, I probably do about 80 to 90% of my work on that especially the initial washes and even the latter part. Um, so it, it's probably a natural hair brush that holds a lot of pigment and has a sharp point. Um, nowadays, I've sort of switched to a Chinese calligraphy brush, which does the same thing. It's still natural hair, um, but some sort of 
a natural hair brush, I think, is necessary for my work. That's probably one thing I couldn't do without. Yeah, no, definitely. I've um, I've gone over to those as well, and they're about uh, a sixteenth of the cost. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. And that's in Australia, so I don't know how cheap they'd be in China. Yeah, gosh, yeah. Um, you know, I I've switched to it, and uh, and then the I don't know. I've been recommending these to my students, and they've doubled the price in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> so we probably be adding to the adding to the cost uh, in 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 time, but uh, but they are, as you said, are very um, affordable compared to the mop brush, especially when you're beginning uh, watercolor. You know, you still spend two three hundred dollars on a brush um, to a beginner. I think it's it's pretty pretty tough. Um, so to have a brush that's good quality, that's affordable, I think it's a uh, it's it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a a lot gets made of um, the quality and how expensive your brush is where I think the more important thing, um, if you're going to skimp on something, skimp on brushes and paints, but I always say don't skimp on paper, skimp on the other things. The paper will be the thing that will make a hell of a difference to you. Oh, absolutely. I think I think that's, that's spot on. You know, you could, you could paint on a Mickey Mouse, um, you know, brush and some sort of paint, but the, the paper is, is the most important thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, you couldn't, uh, do it on those cheap, uh, papers at all. Cause you just, just wouldn't be able to color. No, not at all. Uh, that actually well, ties in nicely to, there's a, there's a couple of listener questions, um, that we've got via the Facebook group. Uh, yep. Doug wants to know, uh, what paper do you use and what brand of paint do you prefer? Yeah, let's go to the paper first. So. I've been using Saunders um, Waterford uh, Rough for probably about 10 years and I just stuck with that paper. And I think a lot of people make this mistake of switching papers um, too early. They just switch from one to another without understanding one paper long enough. I think it takes years to actually learn the properties of, of how it behaves with paint and pigment. So my advice is to... Um, use one paper. So Saunders, I've, I've used it quite a lot. It's only recently I switched. Um, well, I still use Saunders, but I, I started using Arches 300 GSM as well. And it has its own properties, um, both sort of positive and negative. So I'm sort of exploring that option as well. So the two papers are Arches and Saunders. I do use Fabriano, uh, but that's only for figurative work. And I don't do as many figurative works these days. Uh, yeah. Is that just the Fabriano, just for figurative stuff? You're not so reliant on big washes? Exactly. That's right. And I and probably I, I would take these to life drawing, you know, just sort of do it on the, on the fly and without sort of layering and washing and that sort of stuff. It just goes straight on. So Fabriano responds and it dries faster. And uh, I find that beneficial. Yeah. No, good stuff. Um, just on the, uh, the second the second of the listener questions, uh, Ravina asks, uh, do you clean your palette between paintings? <laughs> I don't know if Ravina's seen my palette, but I tell you what, I don't clean my palette. Um, the best parts of my paintings, all the neutrals are those leftovers from the previous uh, painting. Um, some of the, sort of the, the greys, you know, all you do is just add a bit of fresh colour. And you get these lovely 
tertiaries, secondaries. You know, you, you don't want to be painting a rainbow. You're not painting with primary colours. The world is made from, you know, tertiaries and secondaries. So you already got it in your palette and why waste it? So <laughs> I, I use it as much as you can. Unless you're doing your first wash and it's got to be a clean underwash or something like that, um, most of the times I would leave it and, uh, yeah, reuse them. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to waste anything. I mean, it's, it's almost too sad when you finally clean your water bucket out and you, you see all that grey beauty at the bottom of the of the empty bucket and you go, oh, look at all that paint that's just there. <laughs> it's, <great. laughs> it's funny. I, I don't know whether you can see my um, setup there and I've got a little railing under mm -hmm. and the, the pigments, when I lay it, the railing, it actually get, gets connected to that and it, it runs into a bucket. Yep. And, uh, you know, <laughs> after a couple of months, I got these lovely greys and neutrals yeah. um, sitting in the bucket. And I really use that. They're fantastic. <laughs> we missed, uh, just on Doug's question, we missed the brand of paint. Oh, yes. Brand of paint. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. Um, my advice is to use a good brand. And I don't just stick with one brand. I did, uh, I did use Windsor & Newton for, for a long time. Um, and I really like the vibrancy of the colour, but the problem is it's quite dear and expensive. But nowadays, um, a lot of good brands have come onto the market, so I sort of mish and mash, but there are certain colours that I use from different brands uh, for my preference. Um, but uh, so probably Windsor & Newton, Daniel Smith and Schminke are probably primary my goals. It's a bit of art spectrum as well. Um, but I do have some favorite, uh, colors in each brand. So I just sort of stick with them. Yeah. Fair enough. No, that's right. Yeah. I, I kind of do the same. I'm using Schminky primarily, but there's a couple of little Holbeins and, and, uh, things that make their way in and, and you just got to paint with whatever you love, you know? Absolutely. And I always try to get a, some sort of tube that I've never used before when I go to the art shops just to try it out you know just one or two odd something that's really wild you know sallow blue or something like that just just so it's it's sort of uh you sort of try something different you know yeah absolutely now you gotta keep yourself on your toes that's for sure the art scene winter sale is now one with massive store-wide savings with up to 25% off all paints, 50% off all Art Basics portfolios, 20% off all Art Basics stretch canvas, 25% off all brushes plus much, much more. Head over to artscene.com.au or click the link in the show notes to check out the full catalogue. All offers available only during June and July 2020 or while stocks last. No rain checks. Freight charges will apply to all mail orders. Discounts listed in this brochure cannot be used in conjunction with any other promotion or discount offerings. Mate, we've um, we've met a couple of times now um, at uh, Bathurst. Yep, uh, yep. Art scene, School of Arts, and that's right. Shared a couple of students here and there. Um, <laughs> shared a couple of beers here and there. <laughs> that's true. Yes, a uh, couple of glasses of free wine. Um, that's it. <laughs> cheap wine. <laughs> May as well, may as well be cheap, uh, free. Uh, yeah, have you in your little watercolor world? What's uh, what are some of the, or do you have a particular funny 
episode or story that you that's I guess shareable with a polite audience. Um, <laughs> uh, many, Tony. That's that's uh, there's this, you know when you when you sort of become a teacher and you sort of travel around and you meet interesting characters and funny stories are everywhere. I guess uh, um, probably the one that sort of springs to my mind is when I was planting plain air um, one of these days. So the problem is, as you know, when you're painting plain air, people will flock you and they'll just surround you and, um, you know, ask questions and it's just, it, it can be annoying sometimes, you know. So so I have a few, few strategies uh, of overcoming that. One is to back yourself against the structure. So they, they say they're, they're less likely to come and sort of confront you up front, more likely to peek over your shoulder. So by having a structure behind you, that sort of gets them off. Um, one thing is I, I sort of get a long brush and I put one in my mouth and paint with the other <laughs> so, so I can't talk. <laughs> um, and the latest trick is uh, that I, I sort of, uh, I sort of um, um, have a huge set of headphones, you know, in my head but it's actually not connected. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people say, oh, you know, this guy's uh, he's, he's not going to talk Oh, that's me. unreal. But, but I, anyway, I'll tell you what. So I tried all these three things one day, and uh, I can see this couple, you know, loitering around and about to come and talk to me. And, uh, and I was halfway through this watch, and I did not want to be disturbed. Like, you know how it is, how critical it is time-wise to get that wash. Anyway, she came over to me and said, oh, first thing, as always, are you painting? <laughs> so I didn't say anything. I got a couple of strokes and I dipped my brush again and then said, are you painting that scene? Right. And I didn't say anything and then you know, got, got another sort of load and you know, just got my final stroke and I was about to say something and the, the, the bloke comes over and said, darling, I don't think he speaks a word of English. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, gold, that's gold. I just played along and I just, you know, got my painting done and they just but know, left. Like, you know, mate, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, so that 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 was that was great. Yeah, that's that's good. That's um I'm just thinking that is uh that headphones thing. It's the um, headphones and the, and the brush in the mouth is a good one. It's kind of like the equivalent of if, you know, if your boss, if you want to make yourself look really busy at work, you've just got to walk fast. That's it. <laughs> doesn't matter what you're doing. You could be doing absolutely nothing. But if you're doing that nothing quickly, then that's right. you, you're doing something. It's the illusion of busyness, and that's what we're all after, I think. That's right. Messy desk, you know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've all, all been there, done that. <laughs> We're getting on to sort of wrapping up, um, but we'll just sort of ask a few little funny things that are that are kind of out there, just a funny couple of funny, can be art-related, can be not art-related. Uh, the first one definitely is what What are your pet peeves? If you could change something in the art world, what, what are your pet peeves that you'd uh, fix up? Oh, it had to be the sort of disregard for watercolour, I guess, the disrespect that we get, uh, you know, amongst uh, not not everybody but some some quarters and some corners. Mm. 
And, uh, you know, we, we, we do still get that poor cousin's treatment. Um, even in some galleries, it's just the watercolour. But somebody who has actually studied watercolour, even done something, knows how hard it is, how difficult it is. And I appreciate, and they probably appreciate more, actually, a watercolour than oil. Even oil painters appreciate watercolour as small. That's right. Um, I think that would be something that I really um, would like to change. Yeah, exactly. I think um, Turner was on record as saying um, he paints oils because it's easier. He loves watercolour, but it's so much harder. And that's coming from one of the all-time masters of... Oh, absolutely. And Edward Seeger, you know, he's you know, a prolific watercolour painter and uh, I sort of learned that he actually never taught watercolour. He said, just too hard. But just Yeah, just not for teaching. He said, I'm happy to teach you oil but not watercolour. Yeah, right. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's so individual and and you, you kind of, and I'm sure you know, like watercolour principles, you're constantly contradicting yourself the whole time. Really, I find yep. colour, it's like, well, no, you must have a plan, but no, don't worry about it. You've got to change that plan, but no. Absolutely. No, change it. It's, it's, and it's always out of control, you know. Right. And uh, the, the more you control it, then it's, it's, it's a disaster. So so you've got to live on that edge. And uh, how you teach that is, is, is I, don't, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. No, it's, it's, it's a tricky one, but we, we try. We try. <laughs> we do. It's... Uh, Here's a couple of funny little quirky things to uh, to finish up with. If you only had five colours to paint with for the rest of your days, what would they be? Five colours only. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to limit my 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 palette to six colours. Generally, it's just the uh, the warm and cool of each primary, but if I were to have five colours, I'd probably have to be um, ultra should be ultramarine blue, cobalt blue, probably in the blues. Um, probably in the reds, I'd probably have lizard crimson and burnt sienna and uh, because I could make the darks with burnt and ultra. Uh, and in yellow, uh, probably something like a raw sienna um, would be it. So ultra, cobalt, Burnt Sienna, Alizarin, and Raw Sienna would probably be my five colours that I could live with. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you've. It's worth doing that sometimes too. Is just limiting your palette if you're if you're in a bit of a rut or something. You just cut your cut your palette down to you know sometimes one colour and paint tonally for a few days or whatever. Absolutely. I mean, when I go plain air, sometimes I just take a, just a just a neutral tint, just one tube. And that way I can just see it tonally and I can get the tonal pattern and, uh, you know, add the colours later. Exactly right. No, good stuff. Sounds good to me. Um, if you were, say it's a, let's set the scene here. It's a, it's, it's a Wednesday night in Canberra. It's cold. You're lonely. No kids around. No distractions. Ah. <sighs> You have the opportunity to host a dinner party with six guests, including yourself. You have five, your six. You have a dining setting. Round. Yeah. It's a round table. It's mahogany. You've got five guests, art related, or anybody in the world that's ever existed, dead or alive. Who is at yours? Ooh. <laughs> That'd be very hard to get into a five, but 
I'd probably have to go with some people from the art sort of community and probably your cricketers maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably I would love to have John Singer Sargent, you know, on my table. I think I'd just love to see uh, see the maybe discuss his sort of mark making skill that just amazing boldness, the looseness that that he creates, the effortless sort of work. Uh, I'm, I'm still mesmerised uh, by by his paintings. So John Singer Sargent probably is is one, and uh, and probably an Australian, uh, Sir um, Hans Heisen. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, I just is my humble opinion that he's probably one of the most technically gifted artists in watercolour. Anyway, this country is produced, and uh, I would love to see and just maybe watch him paint a landscape, you know, those misty gum trees um, would be would be amazing. So John Singer Sargent, Sir Hans Heisen, and probably one of my favourite um, cricketers, I, I'd say, Sir Donald Bradman, um, and uh, not, not just for his records and on the field, I think off the field, how he sort of conducted himself, um, you know, with dignity and respect that he earned throughout the years, and uh, I really admire him. So I would love to have him on my table. Yeah, maybe the next guest next to next to the Don could be Ian Chapel. <laughs> Possibly that 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 would make an interesting dinner. I think that'd give hands and and Mister Sergeant yes. something to paint at least. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, as for my next guest, I think I'd like to probably have Mahatma Gandhi in my um, table. I, I really like his sort of philosophy of non-violence and um, how you can actually still win and uh, actually show the people what to do and, uh, and you know, probably freed and got freedom um, to India and uh, the way he fought, and I really admire that. He's probably one of my picks. Um, how many how do I have? I got one more. <laughs> I think I would probably uh have to be my father. He's my hero. Um, my dad, um, you know, from from first day to even today and I someone I look up to. Um, you know, both uh, you know, personally and creatively and uh, you know, what he's achieved and uh, what he's shown me. So he would definitely have to be in my table. Oh, that's good. That's perfect. That'd be a That'd be good. What are you cooking, by the way? <laughs> well, that's that's maybe a nice Sri Lankan curry, you know. Yeah, veggie, veggie, or are we we're going to get some. Uh, look, I, I'm not a vegetarian myself, but there are some nice vegetable curries. But um, um, but probably some maybe some some sort of meat, like a chicken or something. Yeah. Hungry? Yeah. So we shouldn't do this around lunchtime. Jeez. <laughs> we shouldn't, should we? It gets hungry. <laughs> recording this right on lunchtime, so that's it. talk about curries, getting a bit hungry. Um, mate, lastly, what I, I'm going to end on, end this, uh, every interview I do, I'm going to end with this question, and it's, uh, it's what piece of advice would you give to someone that's just starting, not necessarily a beginner painter, but maybe they're just becoming obsessed with it, and, um, yeah, someone just starting their watercolour journey. Yeah. 
that's that's a great question. Um, look, um, I would advise them to treat it as a journey, not as a destiny. I think a lot of people get so obsessed with a destiny, they forget the journey. And it's a long journey. There's going to be uphills and downhills, and especially with watercolour, it's unpredictability. You're always going to hit um, hit um, bottom, and, and then it throws you up and throws you down. So there's going to be that. But for me, to persevere with it, practice, practice, practice. Um, there is no secrets. There's no talent. I really don't believe in um, this talent business. Um, you know, if, if we're talented, we all should be able to paint. Um, you know, um, I think it's just the amount of time and effort you put in and how much you want it, how much you're willing to give is what you get at the end. So practice your drawings, um, you know, keep sketching. Um, it's just a way to see the world and then apply the, the techniques of watercolour and uh, explore and experiment, practice, practice, practice. That's the only way. Perfect. Exactly right. Perfect. Um, now, where can people find you online or do, what do you have coming up that, uh, that uh, people should have a look at? Um, probably my Facebook is, is uh, sort of up to date where I sort of constantly update, you know, workshops and things. My website has got uh, all the workshops too. It's, it's a bit more static and I don't tend to update it as much. But uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, is probably um, where I sort of, you know, update. And uh, there are a few workshops that are opening up. Things are looking a little bit better. Um, and uh, probably by September, we'll be running a few workshops around. And towards the end of the year, they're sort of booking now. So that's probably the place to book. Uh, excellent. And this episode is sponsored by the Art Scene in Sydney and their uh – their summer school is all systems go, as far as we know. So uh, you'll be there this time again? Yep, definitely I'll be there this time and looking forward to that. Uh, we caught up last time in uh, summer school and looking forward to catching up with you and everybody else uh, in, in there too. Yep, that'll be fantastic. Uh, it'll be a good thing and we'll all be uh, chomping at the bit for some human interaction. Absolutely. So much looking forward to it. Hey, Jamal, well, this has been a little slice of heaven. Thank you so much for joining me today, and uh, it's been a great thing. So you enjoy your day and uh, go out and plan that dinner party. I think you'll struggle, <laughs> struggle with a couple of them. So, um, thanks. thanks very much, Tony. Thanks, thanks very much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you and, uh, and, uh, and, and your, your listeners as well. So uh, look forward to it and uh, hope you're well. Thank you, mate. success. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chan, for joining us. That was an unreal chat. Um, learned a lot about him. Learned a lot. And I, uh, we're kindred spirits, Chan and I. I think, uh, I think we get on really well. And he's a, he's a good fellow. So, yeah, check out his work. I'll put all the links to his website and Facebook and everything in the show notes. So please be sure to check that out. In the meantime... I will see you next week. Thank you very, very much. Adios, amigos. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. If you didn't like it, your silence is greatly appreciated. Thank you again and catch you next time.